Hi, this is Nathan. My passion is to provide Christ-centered Bible teaching and resources that glorifies God and will encourage and equip you to grow spiritually and live a Christ-centered life. If you would like more resources to help you understand the Word of God and cultivate a passionate love for Jesus that turns the world upside down, please visit deeperchristian.com. Now, grab your Bible as we dive into this message from God's Word. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, John chapter 14. Uh, We've been in a little mini-series walking through the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. I guess it hasn't been a mini-series. It's been a series. But we're walking through the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John, and and here we are. We're we're getting to the last couple of the I Am statements. Again, Jesus uses the phrase I Am uh, a whole bunch of times throughout the Gospels, but in John specifically, uh, there are seven times where he gives this I Am statement and he gives a predicate after it where it's like he's equaling himself with whatever it is that he is saying. In other words, uh, we, we talked earlier in John chapter 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Right? He's not just saying, I have bread. It's not just saying, he's, he's not just saying, I have nourishment. He says, I am the bread itself. And just as our forefathers back in, back in the wilderness era, right, just as the manna came down from heaven... So I have come down from heaven, and here I am. I am the manna. In John 8, again, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's not that he has light. He is light itself. And he is literally shining forth in the midst of a dark world, and he's proclaiming truth and life. In John 10, he says, I am the door or the gate of the sheep. In John, a little bit further in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. That, that I, am, I am not just, I don't just have this thought or I just don't have this, you know, side hobby called shepherding. He says, I am the good shepherd itself. I'm actually the qualified shepherd. And as a shepherd, I'm going to provide, I'm going to protect, I'm going to direct, I'm going to give my sheep, my people, everything that they need. Uh, which is just amazing. Uh, last week, we looked at this idea that where Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha And Jesus says, hey, look, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's not just that he has resurrection, and it's not even just a hope that, well, one day in the future we're going to have this resurrected body thing. He says, no, you got to understand, I am resurrection itself, which is pretty amazing. Now, one one other reminder as we're just uh, getting into this is that all of these I am statements in the Greek are in the present tense. And the reason that is so phenomenal and it's so profound is the fact that it's not just, well, it was present, it was, it was current when Jesus was speaking it. It, it. The idea is more of the ever-present tense. So whenever it is present tense, the, these things are true of Jesus. So right now in your life, at this exact moment, is this true? Yes. Well, what about right now? Yes. What about right now? Yes. So whenever it is that you live in the present, these things are true. These things are reality. And by the way, if, <laughs> if you haven't figured this out, you, you always live in the present. <laughs> in other words, uh, some of us, I think, probably live in the past or we dream about the future. But we live in the present, which means the fact that Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the light. He is the good shepherd. He is the gate. He is a resurrection. 
These are all true, present tense, not just yesterday, not, well, maybe we hope he'll be that way tomorrow. It's he is that way right this very moment, which should give us incredible encouragement. Now, in John chapter 14, uh, which is our next one, Uh, just to give you some context, uh, Jesus is in the upper room, and, and uh, in chapter 13, he comes in, and he, he washes the feet of his disciples. And, and I don't know if you can imagine this. It's, Jesus knows what is coming. The disciples seem to be a little clueless. But here they are. They're, they're, they're going through the Passover meal celebration, and, and he washes their feet, and then he talks about his betrayal. Uh, he gives them this commandment toward the end of uh, John 13, and he says, hey, look, uh, all men, hey, when the, wor- when the world looks upon you, they're going to know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know that? Oh, by your love, one for another. <laughs> and then almost in this weird irony, Jesus looks at Peter and says, oh, by the way, Peter, uh, we're talking about how the, how the world's going to know that you are my disciples because you love one another. You're going to betray me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I just think that's, Sadly ironic in, the, in this whole thing. And he comes into verse, or chapter 14, and he gives this phenomenal statement. Let me just read. I'm going to start with verse 1, and we're going to look specifically at verse 6. But in John 14, verse 1, Jesus <clears throat> says, obviously, here they are. They're heartbroken. The whole context of this thing is it's a very sober moment. In other words, it's, they're celebrating the Passover, yes, but the way that Jesus is talking, they recognize there is something different about to, about to happen. And he says, hey, let not your hearts be troubled. Because obviously they, they were. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, <clears throat> I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. You know where I am going, and you know the way. Jesus says, hey, look, don't, don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because I'm going somewhere to prepare a place for you. Uh, not that it was a bad translation. It's actually a great translation. Uh, but the problem with the King James translation, it talks about this idea of mansions. Oh, you know, I'm going to prepare a mansion. <laughs> you know? And... and it's a great, beautiful thought. And obviously in the context of the 1600s, this would have made sense. We've taken that in the modern culture, and of course, you know, you listen to a Southern Gospel song, and I like Southern Gospel, but, you know, you listen to a Southern Gospel song, and it's like, woo, you know, hey, streets of gold, we all get a mansion, praise the Lord. That's not what Jesus is saying. Sorry to break your heart. <laughs> you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> you know? And Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. The, what Jesus is talking about is the, that Jewish idea of the insula. The insula was this little community or it's a little compound. It's, you know, the father had built his house and, and so the son is about to get married. So, you know, here he is engaged. What does the son do? Oh, he, he takes one of the sides of his father's house and he begins to build off of that and he builds a room onto his father's house, right? So the father probably had a big room and then the son kind of builds another room off of that. And again, they're building out of stone, mostly in Israel. And as such, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to be effort. It's going to be, you know, laborious in that sense. So here they are going to build a room. So I might as well use my father's wall as one of my walls. Why? It just saves time. It saves 
that, that effort, and it, and it speeds this process up because, hey, I want to get married. And so here's the son. He goes and begins to build this extra room. Why? It, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the wedding chamber. It's, the, it's where he and his wife are going to live probably for, for most of their, if not all their life. So when Jesus says, hey, look, don't be discouraged. Why? Because I am actually going to go to the Father. And when I go to the Father, don't worry. I, hey, you are the bride of Christ. And again, it's an amazing picture when we look at this, the idea that uh, the upper room scene, right, it really is a, uh, and again, we don't have time to get into this, but it's a profound wedding picture that in the Jewish culture, when, when the groom was going to propose to the bride, he would set a glass of wine in front of her, and if she drank, it was a sign that she was accepting the wedding invitation. Isn't it amazing that in the upper room scene, <clears throat> here at the Passover celebration, Jesus takes you know, the bread and, and, the, and the wine, and he sets it before his church, which we know is called the Bride of Christ. And he says, hey, would you come in relationship? Hey, would, hey, would, hey could we be engaged? And, of course, we see the early church partaking of that. And so here's Jesus now saying, look, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare this wedding chamber. I'm going to prepare this dwelling place. Because, hey, in my father's house, in this insula that my father has, there, there, there is, there is, there's dwelling places. There's these rooms that I am working on. Why? So that you can be a part of what, of what, what I have with the Father. It's just beautiful. And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Again, he's talking about this idea of coming and returning for his bride. And then he says in verse 4, you know where I am going, and you know the way. Ah, you know the way. Hey, you know, you know what's going on, Jesus says. Now, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas stands up, or he probably didn't stand, but you know, he's, he's there. And, and, he, and he says in verse 5, and again, I, I love Thomas. Thomas is kind of the blunt. Uh, he's the one that just, you know, just says it how it is. And he just, hey, there's, there's no, you know, he doesn't pull punches, in other words. He just, you know, he just says it like he sees it. And Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? <laughs> Thomas just says, Jesus, we have no clue. In fact, even in the Greek, that word, hey, we know, we, we don't know where you are going. That, that whole idea is this idea of perception and understanding. And really, Thomas just says, hey, the, the lights have not turned on. There is no clue. I have no perception. I, I, Jesus, we... I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you know? And I can imagine in verse 6, again, it's a sober moment, but I, I could see Jesus and just kind of <laughs> closing his eyes going, oh, Thomas, 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 You've been with me three years, buddy. Come on, get a clue. Hey, the light bulb needs to turn on. Right? I mean, come on. You, you, I've had one direction. I've had one purpose. I've had one thing going on. Thomas, you, Thomas, you, should, you should have the clue here. But Jesus says this. I, I, oh, this is so good. And again, you, you know this verse. But listen to Jesus' answer to Thomas' statement. Jesus, we don't, we don't have a perception. We don't have a clue of what's going on. We don't know the way. And Jesus says to him, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he gives this incredible I am statement. Jesus says, do you, do you realize Thomas, you've been with me. Come on, buddy. 
And you're saying, hey, we don't have a clue. We don't have a perception. We don't, we don't, hey, where are you going? And, and what's the way? Jesus says, I am it. That you don't have to look any further than me. That, that I am the big deal. Now, he's not being prideful. This is the reality of the gospel. It's all about Jesus. Again, I keep quoting Romans 11.36. It's that all things are from him and through him and to him for his praise and for his glory. Colossians says that he is the preeminent one. I mean, he is the big deal. And Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, you want to know where, where I'm going? Hey, you want to know what the whole purpose of this thing is? Hey, Thomas, you want to know what the thrust and the focus of your life is supposed to be? I'm it. And again, he gives this incredible statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So let's just look at each of those. Jesus says, I am the way. During Jesus' day, uh, there was all these rabbis <clears throat> who was speaking of the way of life. Uh, they were saying, hey, let me tell you how you are to live as a good Jew. <clears throat> and again, they, they give all these strict regulations of the law. And if I remember, I think it were 613 oral traditions interpreting the law of the Lord and, and the word. And so they said, hey, you want to know what it means to walk in life? You want to know what it means to walk in the way of the Lord? Let me explain this to you. Law, 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 law. <laughs> and hey, you know, grit your teeth, buckle down, you know, hey, pull this thing off. And there's this whole list of regulations that the Jews are supposed to, <clears throat> supposed to live by. Uh, you had guys like the Zealots who said, hey, forget all that stuff. Hey, Rome has taken over the land. And let me tell you, you know what the way to life and freedom is? Let's fight it out. And, and hey, even if it goes down to the last man, hey we, hey, we can win this battle. The Lord is for us. So what is the way of life? Let me tell you, it's battle. Fight. Jesus says, you know what the way is? I'm it. It's not regulations. It's not law. And yes, if we love him, we will obey him. But the focus is not on the law. The focus is not on the regulation. Jesus says, the focus is to be on me. Hey, put your swords away, dear zealots. It's, it's hey, hey the, the focus is on me. And yeah, there may be a time where you need to pick up a sword. But hey, this, the focus of life is not that, it's me. The way is me. Hey, do you know how to get to the Father? You've got to get through me. <laughs> you know? And it's not like Jesus standing in the way like this big, you know, football player saying, just try to get through me. It is an invitation to intimacy. He says, hey, you, you want greater relationship with the Father. Hey, you want greater intimacy with the Father. Let me tell you how to get it. You're only going to get it through me. Isn't it interesting that the, the disciples were watching how Jesus lived and how he talked and, and all the miracles he performed. But the one thing that they really wanted to know of Jesus is Jesus Teach us how to pray. T teach us, what, what is it? How, how do we have that kind of intimacy with the Father like you have with the Father? And isn't it just, that's beautiful. In this passage, Jesus says, hey, no one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, you are not going to have intimacy with the Father unless you have intimacy with me. I am the means. I am the supply. I am the, I am the way that you go unto the Father. That, hey, if you want to increase in this thing, hey, if you want to fall in love with him, hey, you're going to have to I'll get all wrapped up in me because I am the way itself. Uh, I've often joked this idea that Jesus is the way. It has this idea of the path or it's the journey. Yes, that's true. 
But isn't Jesus the destination? Well, that's true. (laughs) So the way, the pathway to the destination is the way. So the way to the way is the way. And amazingly, the moment I'm on the way, I'm actually at the destination. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I just think that's funny. Uh, This idea of the way became so significant in the early church, this idea of the way, uh, that they began to talk about this all the time. Uh, Over and over throughout the book of Acts, there's this idea that they proclaimed the way of salvation. That they were proclaiming the way. Oh, they were proclaiming the way. Oh, they were speaking about the way. And that's all throughout the book of Acts. Uh, That became even so significant that several times in the book of Acts, what you begin to find is that the early followers of Jesus were not known as Christians, they were known as the way. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That, hey, that they were going to get together and they were their followers of the way. Uh, for example, in uh, Acts chapter 19, uh, in, verse, in verse 9, <clears throat> it says that uh, here they are in uh, uh, the, uh, the Ephesus thing, and, and in verse 9 it says, but when... Uh, But when some were hardened and did not believe, they spoke evil of the way before the crowd. Uh, Later on in verse uh, 23, uh, speaking about the riot in Ephesus, it says, About that time, great trouble arose about the way. So, hey, the group of early believers in Ephesus, what were they known as? They were not known as Christians. They were known as the way, the followers of the way. And then later, the, the term Christian and this idea of the little Christs uh, became associated with this, this group. And so the group of the way became Christians. So the way, the way became really, really significant. Uh, Paul says, you know what I did? I, I found the way and I became a member of the way. It, see, it's that kind of an idea. See, as you come back into this idea that Jesus says, I am the way, he's not saying, well, I know, I know the directions. He's not saying, well, I, I, can, I can point this thing out to you, I can tell you where to go. He's not saying that. He says, I am it. In fact, he says, if you want to know the Father, if you want to experience salvation, hey, if you want to have life, I am the means of that. Now, you probably already know this. We've, we've talked about this several times. Jesus isn't... merely pointing to a way of salvation. He's saying, I am salvation itself. In fact, even the name Jesus, Yeshua, that name in Hebrew literally means God is salvation or God saves. So every time Mary, the mother of Jesus, looked at Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, little Yeshua, come here. She's saying, hey, God saves Hey, God is salvation. Isn't that an amazing thought? That all throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus, every time they said his name, it was this rehearsal of God is salvation. God is salvation. God is the one who saves us. And then here is Jesus. He's up upon a cross. And what are they seeing? They are seeing the fulfillment and the reality of the salvation itself who is hanging on the tree. That the one whose name is salvation is bringing salvation. Isn't that awesome? 
And Jesus is saying, hey, it's not that I just have a way to, of salvation. It's, it's not that I am one of many options. That if you actually want salvation, if you want to have intimacy with the Father, hey, if, if you want to experience life itself, there's only one means to get that, and I am it. Oh, listen to what Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says. <clears throat> uh, Peter and John are speaking, in, and it says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one name that brings salvation. It's Jesus, which means God is salvation. I just think that's incredible. Uh, one other aspect of this idea of the way, it, it, it really is this idea of a path or it has this idea of journey. But there's also this undercurrent in the word, <clears throat> in the Greek, that has this idea of excuse me, has this idea of this unveiling or nothing hidden. In other words, if I am on the way, there is an exposing of being on this journey. That that if I'm going to be on the path, my life is going to have to be exposed. If I'm going to be on the path, there is nothing hidden. And Jesus says, I I am the place where nothing is hidden. That I I am, uh, as, as, as 1 John says, I am light or yeah, in God there is, he is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That, that everything is exposed. Everything is in the light. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am this path where nothing is hidden. Everything is exposed. Which means if you're going to be on the way, and if you're going to be on, in Jesus, you've got to recognize that your life is going to be exposed. There's nothing that can be hidden. We must be honest and open and humble before the Lord, and we're going to be walking this way in this attitude of surrender and abiding and dependence where we're not secluding, we're not hiding, we're not... Because this way is a way of openness. See, this way is the pattern of living See, it's not just a mental belief that Jesus is the way. See, it's actually bringing our life into alignment with his way. That he becomes the pattern for living. He becomes the boundaries for our thought life. He becomes the, the essence of our living. <clears throat> and it's not just, well, yeah, I know that Jesus is the way. Praise the Lord, I get to go to heaven. It's, it's my life needs to come be exposed where nothing is hidden and come and begin to walk in this pattern for life, which is the way, which is Jesus. And he becomes my pattern for living, that I begin to live his way. Now, Jesus continues, and he says, I'm not just the way. He says, I am also the truth. <clears throat> That's an interesting thought that Jesus is the truth. It's not that Jesus has truth. It's not that Jesus is just merely speaking truth. He is. He says, I have been so acquainted. I've, been, I, I've taken truth, and it so embodies who I am to the point where it's not that I, I, I'm separate from truth and I speak truth. He says, I have become truth itself. Do you get that? That somehow Jesus, where there, hey, he's God, and there is no lie within him. That, that it is impossible for God to lie, Scripture says. That he is, he is it's not just he, that he has truth. It's not that, that he just has facts. It's not just that he speaks correctly. It's that he is 
he is so tight with truth that you cannot separate truth from who he is. He is truth itself. So when he speaks, it is truth. There is no lie. Isn't that an amazing thought? Uh, later on in the separate room scene in John chapter 16, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he speaks about the Holy Spirit. And he says in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. So get this. Here's the spirit of truth. Do you realize that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit? He's, he is the spirit of truth. That he is truth itself. And what is the spirit of truth? And we know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, right? So get this. Walk this thing through. The spirit of truth is going like, to guide you. It's this idea of taking you by the hand. It's going to lead you into all truth. <laughs> Which is not facts. It is not information. It is a person whose name is Jesus. So here is the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus, who's going to take you by the hand and literally march you into all truth, which is Jesus himself. And it says, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then he says, oh, and do you know what the role of the Holy Spirit's going to be? He is going to testify. He's going to proclaim. He is going to lift me up. Which means that the more spirit-filled you are, the more you're going to be talking about Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit does not draw attention to himself? The Holy Spirit draws attention to Jesus. That Jesus is the big deal here. Uh, In John 17, 17, he's praying to the Father, and Jesus says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That that the very words that God has been speaking is to somehow bring holiness and sanctification to our life and is really to bring us into alignment with the truth, which is the person, the person, Jesus. Now think this thing through. If Jesus is truth, not that he has truth, he is truth. If Jesus is truth, then anything outside of Jesus becomes a lie. I don't mean it; be, it's not factual. But see, so many of us, it's like we, we take our lives and we, we begin to build our life upon the truth of this. Uh, sports, entertainment, uh, success, right? Money, whatever it may be. And we begin to live and, 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 and function in the reality of that truth. The moment I begin to build my life upon that truth, I actually find out that it's a lie because it's not Jesus. See, anytime I build my life upon anything outside of Jesus, what I begin to notice is that it's actually a lie. The world looks at you and says, let me tell you what success is. And and they give you all these plans and the five steps to, to have success. And Jesus says, do you realize that if you build your life upon that thing, it's actually a lie and it's not gonna satisfy because I am the truth. Hey, you want to get wrapped up in in drugs and sex and alcohol? Fine, do it. But you're going to find that it's a lie. Because the truth is Jesus. See, what would happen if we would actually take our lives and, and come unto Jesus and begin to recognize that he is truth itself? And what would happen if I began to build my life upon the realities of who he is? See, he is truth truth itself, which means anything that is not of him, eventually I'm going to discover that it ultimately is a lie because it's not him. Again, it's not that it's not factual, 
hey, drugs supposedly is exciting. (laughs) Alcohol relaxes from what I've heard. But yeah, those may be truths, but ultimately you are going to be sick and it's going to kill you. Because it does not bring life. It does not, it's not truth. This thing only is a lie. What if we would begin to build our lives around the truth, the person, Jesus? Jesus says, not only am I the way, not only am I the truth, Jesus says, I am the life. It's not that I just have life. I am life itself. Now, obviously, we are not talking about uh, biology. We're not talking about the fact of, well, you know, I'm breathing right now, and that's, you know, I can have that outside of Jesus. That is true. The word that Jesus uses here for life is the Greek word zoe, or zoe, and it's, it's this idea of, uh, the, be- the best illustration I could probably come up with is you have a biology. You have a bios is the word in the Greek. This biology life, right? You're breathing, you eat, that's right, it's the biology life. And if you think of like an electric wire, Right, yeah, I take a lamp and I plug it into the, to the socket. <clears throat> the wire itself is the bios. It's the physical. I can see it. You know, it has substance to it. But the electrical current that goes from the outlet into the lamp, that is the zoe. I can't see it, but it's actual life. See, I don't, I don't look at a lamp and look at his cord and go, whoa, there's a lot of power in that cord. No, it's just, it's just a power cord. But when I take the power cord and I plug it into the wall outlet, and suddenly the life of the electricity is flowing through the wire, it produces light in the lamp. And the same idea is happening here. Jesus says, it's not that you have bios, we get that. But I am the electric current, says Jesus. He says, I am that Zoe. I am that that which wants to flow through your bios and actually bring forth light and life. That's amazing. In fact, Jesus says, it's not just life I want to bring, it's abundant life. Uh, Back in John chapter 10, we were talking about this idea that Jesus was the good shepherd. And in the middle of this idea of the gate and the shepherd, Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come, says Jesus, that they may have life, Zoe, and have it abundantly. I love this. The the word abundantly that Jesus uses isn't just like, well, it's going to be a great life. (laughs) It's not just, well, it's going to be super duper electrical current kind of stuff. The word for abundant there means exceeding, more than necessary, super added, supremely, abundantly, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, more remarkable, more excellent, preeminent, superior, advantage, Do you know what the kind of life that Jesus brings into us? That. (laughs) That Jesus says, it's not just I'm bringing life. I am bringing life. That that this is the, I mean, this is the big deal. This is, whoa, this is the, and yes, you have the biology, but you don't have life unless you have him inside of you. Hey, do you know what's going to last forever? What What is eternal life? Jesus, let me tell you what eternal life is. Me. And it's relationship with me. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19. Uh, Jesus says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offering or offspring may live. 
loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and hold, holding fast to him. Get this. For he is your life. Do you realize that even in the Old Testament, the reality was that God was to be your life? And here Jesus stands up and says, it's not just that I have life, I am life itself. And I am the electrical current, I am the flow, I am the life. You realize that's all over the place. Uh, Colossians 3, 4, uh, Paul writes, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, have you ever hung around Ellerslie, Sandy McConaughey, the great uh, commentator and scholar, says that if you were to enunciate the entirety of Scripture in one word, the word she would pick is life. What's God's big agenda? Life. What's God doing in you? Life. What, what is God wanting to perform and reveal? Life. Uh, John 15, we're going to look at this next week, but John 15 Jesus talks about the vine and the branches stuff. And he says, hey, look, you are a branch, and you are to be connected to the vine, and the life-giving sap of the vine is to come out and flow into the branches and produce fruit. That your job is to abide, it's to remain, it's to sink down into, it's to hold tight to the life source, Jesus. Uh, you read through the book of John or the, the book of 1 John. John just goes overboard on this idea that Jesus is life itself. So here's the thought. You realize that Jesus isn't just a way. He is the way. He isn't just a path. He is the path. He is salvation itself. It's not just that he has truth. He is truth itself. And anything outside of him is a lie. It's not that he just has life. He is life itself, which means anything outside of Jesus is death. Anytime I take my life and build my life upon anything outside of Jesus, it only ever leads to death. Because he is life. Uh, Isaiah 30, verse uh, 21 says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, the way. Walk in it when you turn to, to the right or when you turn to the left. And there's this voice going to come up behind you. And as you begin to fall off or turn over from the way, that, that voice comes and says, Hey, uh, you're going the wrong direction. Do you realize he wants to do that in our lives? I find it so marvelous that in uh, the book of Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned, and it says that they were kicked out of the garden. And Godly takes cherubim, which means more than one, and plants cherubim on the way that led to life, right, this tree of life. That there's this cherubim that is really blocking the way that leads to the tree of life. From the time that humanity sinned, the way has been blocked to the way of life. That there has been no means of eternal life. And Jesus, here he is, he stands up in the middle of the disciples and he says, I am it. Thomas, you want to know where I'm going? You want to know what this whole thing is about? You want to know what the way is? I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. And that same way that was guarded to the tree of life, I am it. Because I am both the way and the life. Let's just finish with this. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is concluding the uh, Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> and uh, listen, listen to what Jesus says in John, or sorry, yeah, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter at the narrow gate. Again, he's already said that he is the gate. 
but enter at the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. Verse 14, but small or narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus says there is this narrow path, that there's this gate, he is the gate, there's this narrow way, he is the way, and it's only those who walk that way that find life. Do you have that? Do you recognize that in your life that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and anything outside of him only is a lie and produces death? So if you're going to build your life upon something, hey, if you're going to turn your life over to something, hey, if you're going to have a trajectory of your life, it better be Jesus. That if someone was to look at your life and they were to say, hey, what is the trajectory of your living? What is the way that you are living? They should say, well, it seems like it's Jesus. Because the way that you are living, the trajectory of your living, the whole essence of your living is Jesus. Is that true for you? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Lord, you are it. Lord, I don't actually have to look anywhere else besides you. You are salvation. You are the way of intimacy that leads to the Father. You, you don't just have facts and information. You are truth itself. It's not that you just have life. You, you are life itself. You are the essence of it. Lord, what would it look like if you became the way, the truth, and the life in my life? What would it look like if I quit building my life upon what the world deems as success or pleasurable or entertaining and my life was built firmly upon you, a solid rock? And yes, it's going to be compressed and yes, it's going to be difficult and yes, it's going to be narrow and, and yes, it's going to be hard because narrow is the way and difficult is this path, but it is the way that leads to life because you are it. Lord, the road that was blocked to the tree of life back in the garden has been found. It is you. You are the way that leads to life because you are life itself. So, Lord, will you do whatever is necessary in me? Would you, will you turn my gaze upon you? Would you, as Isaiah says, will you whisper in my ear saying, this is the way, walk in it, and do not let me Go off either to the right or to the left. Lord, thank you that you are the way. Thank you that you are truth. Thank you that you are life itself. And you've come to bring life, not just life, but abundant life. Do that in me, Jesus. We love you. Let's give the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.